0: Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Breaking Forth, a release into your Kairos season. And joining me from near Washington, D.C., I believe, is our author, Dr. Angela M. Rucker. Welcome to the program, Dr. Rucker.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. How are you?
0: Well, doing well. Your book, I uh, was looking at some of the details on the graphics there and it looks as though a family member may have designed that. Would that be your husband by any chance?
1: Yes, my husband took that picture one morning off. Um he was on the deck And he took that picture, and he wanted us to use it for the book.
0: Well, it's a beautiful setting. I will, as a matter of course, mention that both you and your husband are in traditional ministry, or maybe it's a non-traditional ministry, I don't know, but in church work of some type. This book, titled Breaking Forth certainly follows your journey as it tells a little of your background, a little of your history. Um, if this book is under 100 pages, I almost uh, would look at it as an observer and say, well, maybe this is a message that you preached from the pulpit. Is this a study guide that you have used in the past, or was this something new that you created?
1: Well, actually, it um, it was something new that I created. Um, I was in the middle of doing another book, <laughs> and um, I just was led to begin this book so I put the other book on hold and I just I just went into some study and then I found out that at a time such as this this book was so relevant and it's so important so I decided to just follow through and continue to write and um, I was able to come up with the few pages that I I came up with but it serves to be somewhat of a manual mm. uh, and I'm excited about
0: the book. It tells a little of your story from 1990. You had a, a personal encounter, I think it was 1990, at least a few years ago, and uh, you had a spiritual encounter that uh, put you on the path to ministry. Uh, were you a, a person of faith prior to that?
1: I had just, um, I had just um, decided that I was no longer going to be the person that I was and I was going to embrace the newness, which included um, surrendering my life to Jesus Christ.
0: And that motivation has not left you, obviously. This is 30 years later or so, and you're still motivated.
1: Yes, I am. I'm just as motivated or even more than I was when I first started my journey, because I've seen so much of what God can do in a person's life when you surrender to God and allow him to lead.
0: As a pastor or pastor's wife, uh, a lot of challenges there. You also, if I understand correctly, are involved in international ministry with your husband. Uh, is that also correct?
1: Yes, um, we do, uh, my husband and I, we do a lot of international work. We set up churches in different countries, such as Africa, India, um, in Central America, and we also serve as a liaison uh, for children who are in orphanages, and it's an it's an amazing work that God has uh, has us doing in uh, the different nations.
0: It's uh, an ambitious work to uh, describe what you have just outlined, but in this book, I think the underlying message is motivation. Is that uh, a way to look at this? How would you describe your book?
1: I think this book is primarily directed to those people who are tired of um, stagnation in their lives and are seeking a way out from failure and from defeat and um, really want to reset and take take charge of their lives and move in the direction that would certainly follow the path of purpose that God has given to each and every one of us.
0: Although it's written from a ministry perspective, would you say this would appeal to just about anyone that may be either on a journey of searching or on a journey of discovery?
1: I think it's, it's um, written to everyone, but it, it primarily highlights um, what it is like to be to be on that journey of discovery and to know that As you allow yourself to go further, you can discover the real you, the person who God has created you to be. So I think it works for all of us, and particularly if you want to know, why am I here? What is my purpose here? What what does God require of me? Or what it is that I can become beyond who I am right now?
0: Uh, The subtitle of your book, uh, the uh, main title of which is Breaking Forth, and the subtitle is a release into your Kairos season, which I believe is a Greek uh, reference. What does Kairos mean, and how does that fit into the
1: title? Okay, so the Kairos season here refers to a season of change uh, when the supernatural hand of God orchestrates that time should intersect with his divine purpose and divine opportunities to accommodate God's plan and purpose for your life. So it's like uh, 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 a Saul on the Damascus Road journey where God interrupts his journey and reveals himself to him. So in, in, in this book, we see how not only does God summon you or does God arrest you, But beyond that period, you have to now continue and search and seek to follow what God requires of you.
0: Uh, In your book, you highlight one of the Bible characters that not many, I won't say not many, but uh, those who are church uh, goers probably would recognize, someone named Rahab. Who is she, and why is it important in your book? What's the story behind that?
1: Well, the story behind Rahab is that she was known as a harlot. She was known as a prostitute she was known as a woman who um in 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 the eyes of most of us now who think we have arrived we probably would say that she is not would not be welcome in our churches would not be welcome to our private parties mm. because of, of her profession and uh, we see here that in spite of what she was or what she was doing god used her to Save Israel. God used her in a manner that the nation of Israel was saved because she was able to hear the voice of God, turn from what she was doing, and then decided to follow the path that God had in front of us, in front of her. And as a result, not just her family, not just her, but Israel was saved.
0: Mm. It, it was a fascinating story. The I, if I remember the story from my Bible studies and from a Sunday school from years ago, uh, I think the the spies from Israel were uh, surrounding the town, and and Rahab exactly. Rahab actually put a was it a scarlet ribbon out her window yes. to let them yes. know there was something that she had to share with them.
1: Yes, and 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 um, she she was obedient. She was obedient when the spies came, and and. And she bargained with them. She said, if you save my family, if you will save my family, definitely I will go with you. I will follow your God. And this led Rahab to be known later on in the New Testament in the Hall of Faith as a woman who pursued God's purpose, and she was now memorialized because of what she did. So even though her her vocation was of such... And her life was of such, she was able to move from there, from that place, to a place where she became a recognized person by God for what she had done.
0: And your message in the book also deals with the word dominion, uh, which many of us can relate to. I think from your perspective, it has to do with a very positive outcome with whatever journey you're on. Explain that word and why it's important to the contents of your book.
1: Well, I think unless you recognize that you do have authority, that God has given you the authority um, to, to be successful, to be all that you can be in life, you probably will succumb to your circumstances. But dominion was given to us in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, where God commanded us to be fruitful, and he commanded us to multiply. He commanded us to subdue. And he commanded us to be to have dominion. And dominion is a, a, a word that speaks to your authority, your command. You're able to go beyond where you are. You're able to operate in a manner that would bring glory to God because it is in line with the first commandment that he ever gave to man. Because most of us, we look at the commandments in Exodus, and we forget about the first commandment that God gave to man was that we should have dominion over those things. So dominion is, is a word that the first two letters we see is do, D-O. So it then speaks to us and says we, it's a word of action. Mm. It's we have to do it. God has already ordained it. He has already set everything in place for us to do it. Now we have to do it we have to do it dominion take charge take authority walk in the plan of God that God has laid out for your life and that is to give you an abundant life not just to get to heaven but while you're here on earth you could be successful at anything that you decide that you are going to do because you have that authority
0: And one of the things you also mention and highlight in your book is uh, something we all can succumb to. Uh, It it also advises us when you know who you are from God's perspective, you do not seek validation from man. I think uh, part of the DNA of humanity is to look for people to validate us, whether it's our boss, our friends, our husbands, wives, uh, significant others, uh, people around us. We want to be recognized as someone who is an achiever but that's not important from what you're saying here. The most important aspect of uh, of of life is that you are looking at yourself from God's perspective, not your own.
1: Exactly. And, and you never see yourself just as you are. You see yourself as you can become, based on what God has written in His Word and the promises that He has given to you. You know yourself from God's perspective. You don't have to be validated, By man, you don't have to be validated. By your boss, you don't have to be validated by anyone. When you know who you are deep down on the inside of you, that God has made you in his image and after his likeness, and that you can become whomever it is that God wants you to be. You don't look to man. You look to the Word of God, because the Word of God is your reference. The Word of God is the biblical constitution that God handed down for his people to follow. So it tells you who you are and who you can become, the better that you can
0: be. Uh, Dr. Rucker, were there any challenges in writing this? Obviously, you're a person who's already arrived, uh, so uh, there wasn't any difficulty for you personally in challenging yourself, but uh, in challenging others, was there there any challenge uh, or any difficulty that you had to overcome to get this book completed?
1: Well, the only challenge really that I had to overcome was me. Yeah, right. Because I, I, I knew what God had sanctioned me to do. So I, I had written my previous book, The Prenatal Assignment, and um, God reminded me that the prenatal assignment was pretty much laying the foundation, and now I had to take the people from understanding that before they were formed in their mother's womb, that God knew them. And now I had to show them how they could get to that place where God wanted them to be. So the challenge really was with me. It was me being obedient. It was me being sensitive to where other people were and understanding that just because a person is where they are right now, it's not a final destination. They can be better than who they are right now.
0: Well, that's a motivational thought, one uh, worthy of an offer. No, I won't say that. That's a, that. I, I was just kidding there. Uh, but, yes, a, a very motivational thought. Again, inspirational in its style, and I would say that this book could also be a teaching aid for those who have uh, home Bible study uh, groups or or for Sunday school teachers, people who are in uh, ministry-related ancillary uh, work in the gospel, the title of which, again, is Breaking Forth, a release into your Kairos season and my author, Dr. Angela M. Rucker. Dr. Rucker, where do we get copies of your book?
1: You can find the book on Amazon. You can find it at Author House. And you also can find it at uh, Barnes & Noble. And, of course, you can call me if I'm allowed to give my number.
0: Absolutely. Go ahead. The number is
1: 240-505-1222 you can call me and I can autograph the copies and send them to you.
0: Fabulous. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, this book would be great for small group study in church, uh, for Sunday school work, or just personal study. The title again, Breaking Forth, a release into your Kairos season. Dr. Angela M. Rucker has been my guest. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Rucker.
1: Thank you, Jay. Thank you for
0: having me. My pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly
2: commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone get started on your next step call scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at
0: t-o-g-i-n-e-t-r-a-d-i-o dot com returning with more of christian living that counts Greetings for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled One Can See Differently by E.C., initials E.C. And joining me is the author, Eugene St. Martin, Jr. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank
2: you. Appreciate it.
0: This is not a long read. It's, uh, you know, under 70 pages. Uh, I'm curious about its origins. Is this the first book you've, uh, you've written, Eugene?
2: No, I've written about uh, 15 books total.
0: Fifteen, wow,
2: and, and so this is kind of like a journey it's it's a continuation, most of them are like <laughs> as as I go about my life figuring out trying to figure out what's important.
0: well, <laughs> and, I think and, all uh, of it uh, yeah, all of us fit in that category for sure uh the the book is it autobiographical is it about someone else? Explain to my listeners who e c is is that you or is that someone else
2: well uh, that's really me uh that's really me uh. I, I've been I've been a uh maintenance man for tennis courts, uh for uh, especially the clay tennis courts. In in America the hard true or Rubico, they're green tennis courts. And in the evenings I teach tennis. And it's about my life going going it's cut through the eyes of this old groundskeeper uh-huh. for these uh tennis courts and a tennis teacher. And as he goes about his life, as I go back to, uh, to church, to visiting friends, to, to work, to play in tennis, to teach in tennis, and, and just work into different reflections as I go about my life. And, uh, and sometimes I think God also brings certain people through our lives at certain times or certain ideas throughout my lives, And I'm, uh, getting, I get a lot of energy from ideas. And so it's just as I go about my life, I might write something down. You know hmm. and I'm some, some kind of trying to figure out what's important and to keep that in front of me uh,
0: your, your book is uh, again a relatively short read is this from uh, Diaries or or from uh, from yeah. n- notebooks that you you have kept
2: right it's like from a journal the uh, the first it's about uh, one year uh, tw- 2018 and uh, the about the spring is basically from little ideas that I, I, every day, as I go through my life during the day I write down little ideas and notes and then I go back over them and, uh, and so the, the spring part of it is like a, more of a story of going, just going to work and the things I'm thinking about and so forth and the, the second part of it is kind of like looking in my diary you know it's like it's more like poetry and, uh, and like a journal yes. and uh and I had been in the hospital for like heart failure or something like a lot of fluid in my in my legs, and and so I was part of that for trying to figure that out. Now,
0: you know? were you confined to a wheelchair? I noticed that uh, part of this that talks about a wheelchair tennis tournament. No, no. But no not you? Uh,
2: I, I like I say, I teach tennis. I've been teaching tennis for forty-one years, wow. and I teach in the parks, and I teach mainly beginners. And uh, but uh, I've been involved with a, a there's with a wheelchair tennis tennis ever since about nineteen eighty four. And uh it's it you get two bounces, everything else is the same and a lady here in in out of Mississippi, Miss Jeannie Peabody started this wheelchair tennis tournament about nineteen eighty four and uh and ever since then, I've kind of helped out in this tournament and It's a beautiful tournament and since that time she brought it to Baton Rouge, and all the people, the therapists, the tennis people, the local people, everyone high school teachers kids helped put on this tournament and during the year, some of the some of the teachers in town, one teacher came Carlos helped work with these people in wheelchairs and uh it 's very interesting and uh every time I come to this tournament and help with this tournament, it changes my heart mm. in other words you know I kind of get burned out and then I come into this tournament and it' because everybody is just working so hard to help th- have this nice tournament for these people and they and now it 's kind of a very large tournament, and the people come from all over the world really? uh, and and plus in the United States, so you have professionals you have and then you have just ordinary people playing two you know that, that just like everybody else they get two bounces everything else is the same right.
1: every
2: one of them's a different Jay everyone's a different story every one of them has their own story. It's very interesting
0: Well it sounds like you may have enough material just by observations that would uh, last over a number of other books as well this yes. uh, this book it, it really reflects uh, your curiosity or your inspiration. Not only in the job you do, but in how you approach life and other people, you have one notice or one note in here about uh, a sheriff Gatreau who who uh, was asking you about a servant's heart. Which uh, in my my life that would uh, represent a a faith based answer. Is that a right way to describe that?
2: Yeah. What it was at a uh, it was at a barbecue that we had for the Catholic high school, and he talked and 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 i just realized from hearing him how number 1 if uh if these kind of organizations like the YMCA or the park system has a wonderful opportunity to help bring the whole community together mm. to unify the whole community in Baton Rouge and we needed it and this man he was one of our one of our he is one of our leaders here in Baton Rouge and we went through a lot of things and he helped pull everything together and he has that kind of servant heart. He's a leader that's like a servant heart with that kind of, like you're talking about, type of leadership.
0: Sure. And, one of your, I, I won't call it prose poetry, I don't know how to describe it, but it says, oh, to be compared to someone, it's another thing to follow one's interests. It's another one thing to follow one's call from God. It's another thing to support someone like Meg in her life in what she does for God. Now, who's Meg? <laughs>
2: She was my girlfriend oh. from high school, uh, from <laughs> really? from junior high, from junior <laughs> high, from <laughs> elementary school, junior high, high school and college.
0: Yeah, billboard. Then, kind
2: of, then we kind of broke up <laughs> and uh, we went different ways. And she became a sister. She's really? a sister. Uh, yeah. And she's uh, in her order and she's up in the East Coast. She's in Washington, D.C. right now.
0: Well, that's and, uh, that's fascinating. And so
2: that's what I was sort of saying, you know, to, <laughs> to support her and what she's doing.
0: Well, this is this is a, a very entertain not entertaining necessarily, but very curious read because there is a little bit of poetry, there's a little bit of reflection, there's a little bit of inspiration. Uh, how did you come up with this uh, this idea? What was your thought behind it? Uh, what do you hope the reader is going to achieve by by embracing your story?
2: I don't know that really. I just, mainly, I'm going through my life writing, but. Uh, there's one theme in there is that uh one can see differently. Mm. And and uh and there were several little notches in the story kind of like that. I mean, uh, it, it it's um, there was a a man of father Bob was given a, a homily at at a for a couple was being married and he he said, you know, keep your eye on the donut rather than the hole.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and I've heard that for many years and but i didn't under i didn't really get it till he started talking about it and what he was talking about was to uh focus on all the good things rather than what's missing like in a relationship was she was talking directly to this man and woman that were being married you know right at, and 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 he said you know there be some bad times and good times you know but really remember the good times be on focus on those things versus so much on just that what's missing there you know and and I didn't really get that, you know. So, and you know, there's just um, it's sometimes we can take something and, and and look at it differently and see it differently, you know. Whether we reframe it, we step back from it and look at this as, as an opportunity or something like that. See the opportunity.
0: Absolutely,
2: that's part of what I what I was getting at,
0: I you, think, in that book. You also have described EC, which, uh, just for a hint for my listeners, that's really you. EC went on thinking, one can change with God's help. One can change the thought. No need to marry the thought. One can upgrade the thought. God loves God. us, cracks and all, and besides the cracks, often let the light come in. One can see differently, which reflects back to your title again. Was it difficult getting the, the sketches, the uh, photos that were also a part of this book? Uh, was that a challenge for you?
2: No, it's just as I go about my life, little pictures that I see, like in my backyard, something that's very beautiful, and some of it's just a was a, a drainage ditch in my town, you know, kind of uh, some some canals in my town that we pass by all the time, but if you start looking at them, you see how pr- pretty they are, you know, like in your backyard, you might see an an, a, an iris blooming or something like that, or a little weed that's blooming that has a little flower on it, you know, so something is in our lives that we're in our lives right now we stop and see the, the beauty in that lives and that's part of what all my books are about stopping and seeing the beauty that's right within our lives right now
0: oh beautifully put and, and, I, and, I, and
2: yes and then that that part that you read i think that's a part of the the book that, that uh we can change you know we don't have to be married to a thought we can elevate our thoughts we can we can elevate her and 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 like like you Said that uh, Father Tan said this one time that God loves us cracks and all,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, and, and Jay, I think it's been said before, but sometimes you see those cracks happen to let. If you could picture an urn or, or like a a pot, like a, a pot like a what you put plants in the the kind of terracotta type pot, and there are cracks, well, it might let the it those cracks let light in, mm-hmm. and that light may help you to see differently so if you have cracks sometimes in life and and you're trying to cover them up which I have all my life I think and spending all that time trying to do that maybe it's best to just to uh embrace those cracks and it helps you to see differently see people differently you know and and uh you know that's
1: what part of what it's about. It's it's be- be-
0: yeah beautifully put and and again it's a, an inspirational book uh, and you've talked about beauty everywhere from Louisiana. I'm assuming you can walk out see a mudbug and think that's just gorgeous. I've got <laughs> I've got relatives in New Orleans <laughs> that you. that love that love uh, crawfish and uh, that that's what uh, you know outsiders call mudbugs. But uh, and they think of them as beautiful if you live in Louisiana. You have uh, a book that is again under 70 pages by. 66 pages. Uh, is there anything about this that is uh, unique to you or or different from others in the marketplace? How would you describe it to a friend? Let's put it that way. I think that would be a, a way to, to look it's at more it. more
2: like an introspection. It's mm. more like my life, you know. You know, like sometimes um, these are my thoughts as I go about my life this past year, in that year. And uh, I was, sometimes I don't talk that much, you know, I'm not, and so it allows me to to express my thoughts so I can t- give it to a friend and they can see what I was thinking about. It's also a chance to maybe uh, like I say to see something differently from a different angle mm. and there's some beautiful books I've, I, in there I've I alluded to. One One book is called uh, it's written by Father Edward Hayes, The St. George and the Dragon in the Quest to the Holy Grail and then there's a movie in there called A Staircase it's a beautiful movie I found that past year like by barbara hershey's in it it's, it's a made for tv mm. and they influenced a lot of that book but uh uh it's kind of like a journal you know things i went through uh, i was in the hospital and i was trying to figure that out and and, and uh and so it's just kind of about me you know about my thoughts and uh, hopefully you know hopefully can also help some others too you know or help but uh, um it's just. These are just some of my thoughts and ideas as I go about in my life, <laughs> trying to figure things out, and and also you know I teach tennis and how to incorporate these things in my in teaching tennis and so
0: forth. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think you've done a wonderful job. Again, it's uh, something that's a passion for you to share, not only your journey but also your faith, which I think is wonderful. This is a a short read again, listeners, about uh, 66 pages. But it certainly is not a boring read. There's uh, lots of uh, different uh, things that are discussed and shared and uh, approaches, including poetry and prose and a little bit of re- retro uh, reflection. So it's uh, it's beautifully done. Eugene, thank you for sharing that with us and uh, sharing your journey. Uh, the title of the book, again, is One Can See Differently by Initial E.C., uh eugene st martin sir where do we get copies of your book
2: uh you can get them from iuniverse that's uh dot com you can get them on uh barnes and nobles and and on amazon and also this book has been made into an audio book mm. they've hired a young uh actor named tom bauer just a real, real beautiful job with, with all my books and uh And uh, you can go to Audible, and you can see audio books by Eugene St. Martin. You can see the different books, and you can hear kind of a sample of the different books there. And this, uh, so it's real pretty the way this – all these little ideas, little fragments, when he reads them out loud slowly, it becomes like a meditation. Beautiful. It's amazing.
0: Well, incredible idea. Thank you again for joining me today. Again, the title of the Uh, book is one Can See Differently by E.C. Eugene St. Martin has been my guest, who's joined me from Louisiana. Thank you, sir, and best of luck. I have a feeling we'll maybe be talking in the future about the next release, the next one that's underway. Have you already started uh, writing a new book?
2: I have, yeah. Uh-huh. Still, I'm still working on finding it inside of me. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> but, no, thank you very much for talking to me. Well, I appreciate I'm it. I'm
0: sure it will be inspirational. Much. Thank you again. Yeah. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment.
1: you hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way this was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become Bruxomaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A Bruxelmaniac Maniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary
2: with my free app Too Funny for Words.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book title is The Lance. And Joining me is the author, George Vassell, who's joining me from the Northwest in the United States of America. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jay. Extensive travel in your past. Uh, You also are historically curious, I would say. Uh, This book really was written for what reason, and and, uh, how does it uh, tie in with the Dan Brown novel?
3: Well, it's it, interesting. Is that uh, a friend had uh, uh, given me a, a the uh, Dan Brown novel uh, Da Vinci Code to read? And he that was the greatest book, and I was reading it, and I just was just kind of floored by all of the uh, the misinformation that was in it. And I'm going, man, this someone needs to write a you know a book that sets this straight. And I said, like, well, okay, why not? So uh, yeah, I just uh, kind of. Kind of use that as the focus, but then you know, like, do you need to have a setting for this? And wow, well, you know, I've been to Istanbul a couple times. What a great city! What what a great setting for a book! And uh, let's do this. Let's just weave this all together. And, and before you knew it, I was writing the last sentence.
0: Oh, that's amazing! As a, a, a relatively new author, you have another book that's been penned to this date that's been published. Have you always had a passion for writing, or was it something that occurred a little bit later in your in your journey?
3: And, you know, it's something that I had always done well, but had never really organized myself enough to, or disciplined myself enough to, uh, okay, sit down, write about this, or you know, write a journal, or or whatever. Uh, um, and it was uh, uh, someone had sat me down and said, you know what, you you've got all this energy. You need to do something. You need to do something you're good at. Uh, you know, in your off time, why don't you do this? You know, why don't you do something like this? And I thought, wow, you know i uh, looking at this, uh, you know, uh, bookshelf in front of me going, wow, look at all these books. What about all mm-hmm. this knowledge I've gained over the years? That, that's gotta be worth something. Uh, and, you know, kind of, uh, put together, uh, Emperor's Eyes. I was, uh, Earlier, I had completed the reading. Oh, well, there must have been close to a dozen books about about the Byzantine Empire. And I thought, wow, this is something that I never learned about in college. You know, in uh, history 101, it was like, you know, you talk about medieval Europe, you're talking about France, England, Italy, uh, Germany, maybe Spain, but you know, nowhere east of there. And it's like, wow, reading about the Byzantine Empire. And like, well, why why don't people know about this? Mm. And so that was kind of the premise for my first, but the first book, Emperor's Eyes, and, uh, started that, uh, uh kind of, uh, to put the setting in, in a real kind of a, a watershed moment in, in the history of the Byzantine Empire in the, in the year 1071. But, uh, and then having, had been to Istanbul and walked around and, and been to those places and, you know, been to where the Hippodrome had been, been to Hagia Sophia, uh, you know, uh, Wow, I could I could do this. You know, I mm. could do this, and that was kind of my the first thing. And then, uh, and then uh, the Lance was uh, more or less takes place in modern times. Um, same circumstance, kind of walking the walking the reader around, uh, giving them a virtual tour uh, around the city, and yeah, so it was it's fun. But you
0: you have obvious uh, obvious talent not just that you have a desire to share information and history but uh, you apparently have a good memory. I I have difficulty remembering what I ate for breakfast so I I find that to be a great gift. The the lance itself is nearly 300 pages. Explain the title if you will to my listeners and also the length of time it took to complete.
3: Yeah, the, the, the lance in the, the beginning of the story, it's during the Fourth Crusade, and during the Fourth Crusade, 1204, the city of what is now Istanbul, Constantinople, then the seat of the Byzantine Empire, and is being attacked by the Western Crusaders. Uh, you know, kind of irony of ironies, uh, you know, Christian countries attacking another Christian country in the mm. name of, in the name of God. <clears throat> but anyway, the, uh, um, there is there's a monk uh that sees what's going on and he's, he at his particular monastery is this treasured relic that he he just feels it can't can't fall into the hands of these heretics he's got to hide it somewhere and what it is it's the lance of uh, Longinus and uh Longinus was the roman soldier that uh, stabbed jesus in the chest uh in uh during his crucifixion Mm. Um and it was you know a relic, and so he goes and he hides it uh uh in a place that uh, he's you know when this is all over, he can just tell everyone where it is and and this great relic will be kept from the uh, the hands of these you know horrible invaders uh, unfortunately he's uh, after he hides it he's killed, and so now no one knows where it is mm. uh, and that's that's kind of the prologue, and then you fast forward eight hundred years. Um, to 2004, and uh, there's been an earthquake, and uh, suddenly the hiding place uh, is exposed, and and someone finds it, and then the action kind of goes from there.
1: The
0: Ark of the Covenant has been a topic and a subject of some major motion pictures. Plus, there is a rumor that the Ark of the Covenant is found somewhere in the African continent. Have you uh, thought of that or done any research on whether or not that might be a, a factual bit of news, or is it rumor that's never been confirmed?
3: Well, the, the Ethiopian uh, Orthodox Church says that they had the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. And it is uh, the Ethiopia uh oh, three times uh, doing uh, medical mission work, uh, but in the holy city of Axum, there is a like a little chapel where the where the Ark is supposed to be, and uh, it is guarded by a 19 year old monk whose whole job is just to you know guard this thing and no one gets to see it just just him. And uh, so how did the Ark of the Covenant get in Ethiopia? Well, interesting story uh during the time of Solomon the queen of sheba and sheba at that time was uh, that that was ethiopia was visiting and was there with Solomon for a while and, and, and when she left uh she left uh, pregnant with Solomon's child mm-hmm. and uh that child uh meneluk was born and as he came into manhood he went back to Solomon's court uh and uh very much impressed Solomon and everyone there, and, and, uh, as he left to go back to Sheba, uh, he was, uh, given, uh, it's either he was given a replica or he was given the actual Ark of the Covenant. I'm not sure why Solomon would give him the actual Ark of the mm. Covenant, but, and then he, uh, he went to, uh, came back, uh, as well as he came back with several, uh, Levite priests. And that's how you ended up getting Ethiopian Jews. These were people that converted to Judaism, uh, you know, back there in the, uh, gosh, it would have been like the the 10th century BC, 11th to 10th century BC. And even to this day, there are people in Ethiopia that speak exclusively Hebrew. Uh, although most of them uh have made their way in you you know, to Israel they are migrating to Israel
0: well your recapping so. your recapping of that story obviously is an underscore of your fascination with history and uh, also yeah. the the groundwork that was laid for penning the lance now the lance itself 300 pages of uh, material would you describe this as an action adventure what would be the the genre of uh, of of novel would would you describe
3: yeah and I, and I would call it uh action adventure with a with a distinct uh flavor of historicity to it so
0: yes your main wow. your main character how would you describe him is he an indian or she i shouldn't say uh, he only exclusively it's just a bad habit i've gotten uh, but the, yeah. the main character uh, are they similar to the indiana jones that uh, graced the screen or is it different from from that
3: the, the the main character the main two characters are uh, totally accidental they just kind of got grabbed into they got rolled into this by totally by mistake hmm. I would say the main character uh, Angie Johnson is a, is a family doctor uh, who's with her husband Les Les Connery and he is also a, he's a neurologist and he you know he kind of needed a break he you know he just been through a rough time so they they're going to a conference. A medical conference in Istanbul, and what a great way to relax and unwind. And one of the people that that finds the uh, the relic is a Turkish archaeology student named uh, named Mehmet Mehmet Yakis, and he I would also call him a main character. If not, you know, between the three of those, uh, you know, they're almost all in. It, especially Mehmet, he's he's kind of the one that is responsible for getting getting the relic into the hands of uh, of those two Americans. but uh, And before you know it, uh, other people find out about it. There's a wealthy billionaire who likes to collect certain objects from different cultures all around the world, and, boy, this is right up her alley, and she's, she's kind of a ruthless person that will stop at nothing at getting it. When Mamet discovers the relic, he's working with a graduate student uh, from France who's just... Not really very happy to be stuck in Turkey, but went there because his advisor told him he should spend some time there if he wanted to be a really good archaeologist. And to him, this, this uh, well, let's keep this secret. This will be, this will be the key to my success. Hmm. Uh, you know, I can kind of leave this world I don't like and just enjoy the good life.
0: Hugo Geisler, it actually surprised me, but I found it interesting, is a former SS officer now. He right. must be an old, 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 old gentleman if that's the case.
3: Right. The Hugo gets involved because, you know, they're, you know, Hitler just had this fascination with the occult. Yes, he did. And there actually is another uh launch of Bludgeinus in in Vienna. If you do the research, you see wow, they they kind of tend to pop up in in multiple places. Um but anyway, this one in Vienna is the one that, that Hitler had. Mm. Uh and gave it to the SS. They called it the Lance of Destiny and and the story tells at the very end how you know as, as the war was ending uh it had been hidden in a place in Nuremberg and uh, there was a kind of clever american uh officer that was able to uh discern the location of the uh of the uh, lance uh uh and get it back from the ss uh then the whole thing about the the the, the templars kind of threw them in because of again because of the Dan Brown thing you know, with the whole thing about Mary Magdalene and Jesus, and going, oh my goodness, not again. <laughs> so I thought I'd throw that in there as well. Priory of Sign and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's, it was, it was fun. It was kind of fun, kind of cobbling it together, and in so many ways, it just kind of fell together on its own.
0: Did you work off of an outline? You have so many different characters and twists and turns in this novel. Uh, was it an outlined uh, approach, or was it just inspiration on the moment and uh, put it down to to paper?
3: I, I think, yeah, I guess, really, in a way, that there was there was very much of an outline, and uh, and originally, when when I um, when I thought I was done, I said, okay, this is what happens. If someone read and said, that's it, that's it, come on, you can better than this. And then probably another, I added probably another 30% at that point, which is, you know, the whole, uh, the whole encounter on the, the little teeny uncharted Greek island of uh, St. Saint, uh, Saint Stavros at the end, um, kind of the, was a good way to, um, good way to, to, to add a uh, kind of a special message rather than just being a treasure hunt um, and adding some other good stuff to it.
0: Is there an underlying message then from what you're describing that maybe popped to the surface as you finished the novel?
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think that the big thing was is that, you know, if you analyze each of the characters, there, or each of the, 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 quote, the bad guys, they all have their own kind of unique um, uh, faults. Um, uh, you know, there's obviously the, 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 the wealthy, uh, the wealthy American that, that likes to collect these objects is she's, you know, she's greedy and then they're the head of the, the Templars, he's a very proud and arrogant man. And, uh, so everyone has their own, own, uh, sin that they, uh, that, that kind of defines them. And at the end, uh, you know, they're, um. This island it becomes a place of uh, of redemption and and positive change for these people.
0: Well, that's fabulous.
3: all, of whom were greedily after this object, and then when they leave the island, they are changed people.
0: Is there one scene that, in retrospect, as you were writing it or as you completed it, you look back and say, "Wow, that was a lot of enjoyment completing that," and I think the reader is going to really uh,
3: love the ride. Uh, you know, I think. It's kind of it's kind of hard to say. That other than the initial prologue, which takes you know, place in the very very early times in, in the 11, in the 13th century, then um, you actually get into the modern times. There's kind of the discovery and getting out of the Istanbul area, and then finding this little teeny Greek island. Then there's this the time spent on the on the Greek island where these people go through this transition. So, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I can really. And you know, in, in in the first in that in that, that section from the discovery of the relic to getting to the Greek island, things happen so quickly and things are moving so much. I think you can consider that whole thing as kind of uh, kind of the uh, I don't know, I would say at least for me that was kind of the most the most that that just flowed so easily. That was that was the most fun. I really kinda of had to start thinking when I started to trying to figure out, okay, now this is this person, how is this person what's this person going to go through? to get where we want him or her to be uh, by the time he or she leaves.
0: Uh, Congratulations on completing this. Again, it's a a very fast and interesting ride on this journey, Uh, the tale of The Lance, my author George Vassel. Sir, where do we get copies of your books or this book in particular? Uh,
3: They can be found at iUniverse and also on Amazon.
0: And do you have a website yet?
3: I do I have a website called Vassal Tales, V a s i l t a l e s, and uh, you can you can read about uh, the Lance and Emperor's Eyes. Uh, there's also a little uh, blog area, uh, and then there's also a media section where you can read uh, read reviews uh, of the Lance.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, this is a book that if you love adventure and love action, I think as a reader you would be carried along with the the tale of The Lance. The title again, The Lance. My guest author, George Vassil, V A S I L. And the other book that is also in the mix, uh, former, uh, I mean, the preceding book was Emperor's Eyes. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. I have a feeling we'll be talking in the future. Perhaps uh, one day this may be made into a movie uh, or some other type of action thriller. So uh, best of luck, and hopefully it exceeds your expectation. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure for iUniverse. This is Jay. Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.